This is the Ring of Honor, aka Shane T, boy, the baddest champion you ever seen, boy. This is Mister Anderson. This is good old Jr. Jim Rock, and you are listening. You're listening to Knockouts and Three Counts. Starts now. Ooh, what up, though? It is another Thursday. This is Knockouts and Three Counts. And there's a lot of big fights this weekend. You know, UFC 273 is going down this weekend. You got Bare Knuckle FC is going down this weekend. And so, while Jay bone is handling his business, I figured we could use a hand with some of this stuff. So... It's not last call yet, but we've got the host of last call with Chris Connor, Mr. Chris Connor. How you doing, brother man? I'm doing great. And if you forgot, we got Triple G Murata in the morning. So you can get for fight fans, think of it. You have breakfast, coffee, Danish eggs, or as many Montreal, my uh, boxing guy says, coffee, a blunt in the morning. You watch Triple G versus Murata. Then you take some time off. You do some recovery and then get ready at night for either UFC or you got Lubin versus Fandora. You got ESPN fights, Ryan Garcia. I mean, it's just like, what up, no Kyle? Weekend. Too sweet, too sweet. Yeah. It's, it, it almost seems like uh, a lot of the combat world kind of steps aside for WrestleMania. And it seems like the following week almost always comes with a banger. And it just so happens the UFC uh, pay-per-view landed the week after as well. So with that being, kind of the cherry on top of it all it, it definitely seems like a stacked weekend uh bare knuckle as well that that's friday night so i mean it's like to your point it's just non-stop throughout the weekend there's just you know fights to be watched that's for damn sure definitely man i uh so chris this is a good question for you man so uh you know i know you obviously you're a boxing fan obviously you're an mma fan um, first of all, how are you feeling about this Triple G fight? And second of all, do you get down with the bare knuckle stuff? I can't get into the bare knuckle just because I, ju- I get worried with these guys because they're taking just mm-hmm. brutal shots. So I, I can't get into that. The, the Triple G thing is interesting because it's in Japan. So you knew they had to do it early in the morning because nobody else wanted to do it. I mean, you know, if you're Fox, if you're zone, you're going, nah, who's going to watch? But it's still interesting, just for the simple fact, it's Amazon Prime. They got money like they like. There's no tomorrow. So if this does well, you could see them like the next couple of years, all of a sudden, start you know bidding on stuff. Whether it's Bellator, whether it's PBC, whether it's Top Rank, because they cannot spend almost anybody they want, and everybody now is you know with the streaming stuff, and it being Amazon Prime. I mean, this is. I'm looking forward to it just because it's it's a morning fight. It's Triple G, and we're going to see, okay, can Amazon Prime do this well enough to be a player in combat sports? I mean, no, I Amazon Prime – go ahead. I haven't done enough research on the layout of how they're doing the fight. Is it included if you're a Prime member, or is it still a pay-per-view on top no, of it's an still, Amazon it's subscription? It's not pay-per-view just because nobody wants – it's just not big enough fight for that. But you know, if yeah. you're on Amazon Prime, okay, and you're a member of that, you get to watch Triple G versus wow. 
Yeah, Murata. So it's like okay, this is yeah. good. That, that that's that's pretty decent. That's I mean, it, it's I don't know why it's surprising to me. I guess like to your point, they have such a amazing uh, market share in today's just world in general. It seems like they do literally everything. So it, it it's not it shouldn't be I guess as much of a surprise to me to see them kind of step into the fight world. Um, yeah, the the. It's a good opinion that you could see some of these uh, kind of, you know, B-level promotions maybe that, you know, make their way into the free agency market and look for uh, different networks to have their stuff air. Amazon Prime is definitely a great spot. You've got so many built-in members just with the with the shipping benefits. Uh, I don't know what their membership numbers are, but they're, they've got to be huge. So I that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's because you're just trying to figure out, like, okay, you know, how's it going to be? What's it going to do? It's you know, it's all you know, also being in Japan, it's like, okay, how are we going to, you know, who's handling like, you know, the production quality of this? As I said, it's this is all going to be foreign to me because it's a first time ever we've seen this done. So either way, I'm looking forward to it because if if it it goes well, and we've seen it with them when they do it football. They do a good job. It's like, okay, this could be just, you know, you could even see them expand to like pro wrestling, you know, an MLW and impact wrestling. Hey, you're, you're not happy with your current deal. Hey, let's stream stuff now on Amazon prime, you know, more audience members. Mm -hmm. So here's my thoughts on the whole Amazon prime thing. It's not a bad thing at all. And, and, and we've already seen a little bit from the wrestling world with like DDP dropping his documentaries and things on Amazon prime. Um, Amazon Prime is definitely maybe not the first name that somebody thinks of when you're going to a fight. But if your sole goal is to just get eyes on it, not a bad move at all. Now, this fight's going to be interesting as it is because everybody likes Triple G. But you were saying you think if Triple if Triple G loses this fight, he loses the Canelo fight. Why yes, do you? Uh, this? Okay, he will lose the triple. He'll lose Canelo fight because it, he has nothing to, to bargain with. If he if it, if he makes if they fight this fight, then then Canelo can go. Look, I've now beaten him when he was a champion. I, in theory, they're saying Canelo can get down to one sixty. I'll believe that when I see it. But it's sort of like okay, there's this. You know, he's coming with momentum. He loses to Murata. There's no momentum, and he, and I've heard from people close to the Canelo camp that if he loses. Then Canelo will then turn around and fight the winner of Joe Smith versus Arter Biedrbiev for a light heavyweight title. That's that seems to be all the rumblings that I've heard as well that he wants to make his uh, move up to light heavyweight just to you know belt season. He's just out there trying to you know take everybody's gold strap and yeah, he's been successful th thus far. So uh, it, it would amaze me to continue to see him to rise up. Because at this point he's got to be, you know, I don't, I don't know what the heights of the current, you know, champs are, but he's got to be going in at a, a serious size disadvantage. Yeah, height disadvantage, yes, but he, you look at Canelo and he's just this thick guy who mm -hmm. he he, <laughs> he put on a weight perfectly, and he has he has fast hands, he has the power. We saw it against Kovalev. Look, do I do I favor him over Butter Beater BF? Probably not. Joe Smith, a little bit. But either way, it's just you know he 
give him credit. He's one of those rare guys. It's like, okay, I'm gunning for a legacy. I'm not, you know, just going to okay. pitter-patter around with bull crap. I'm going for a legacy fight. That's why, you know, if you're if you're Triple G, you need this win. If you don't, you are not getting, you know, a trilogy, which Golovkin's been aiming for since, you know, since he lost the second fight. He's been wanting this forever. I mean, you you could very much argue out of all of the Canelo fights that we've seen, you know, basically ever since the Floyd fight, those are the Triple G fights are by far the most competitive fights that he's been in. So it 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 doesn't necessarily surprise me. And a lot of the boxing media and MMA media that was covering the fight both kind of it, the the scorecards were fifty fifty. I know the official judges had it their way, but. A lot of people had Triple G winning both of those matches. So uh, I see why Triple G is gunning so much for that match. And not only that, you take on Canelo, that's the biggest money fight you can make. Well, that was going to be my point when it comes to Canelo. Um, I think as far as Canelo goes, the reason why Canelo is so different is because he has not only has the, the boxing skill and the acumen, He's just got that raw, explosive athleticism and power. When he fucking hits you, man, he's knocking the shit out of dudes. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, you watch him fight, and the thing is, if you watch him progress as, progress through his career, he's gotten smarter and knows and knows when to let it loose. So it's not like he's letting it all go in every punch, but boy, when that dude lets it go, it's just that explosive yeah. power. But I, I, I agree with you 100%, Chris, and what you said as far as um, if Triple G loses this fight, I mean, it, I definitely think it puts him yeah. out of the running. I think out of the people that Canelo could fight right now, that would probably be one of the more interesting fights. But, I mean, hell, if he wants to keep going back, keep going up and wait, I mean, more power to him. But, man, the, the higher you go up and wait, man, that power difference is eventually going to catch you, even for somebody like Canelo. And, uh, you know, I very much so want to see what happens with this with Triple G. But did you guys see that Floyd Mayweather's going to fight again? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, he's not fighting. He is it's a <laughs> exhibition. Another <laughs> exhibition match. He does him a lot. Look, he, that's how he makes his money. He's not making, you know, the money he wants in terms of, like, Oh, yes, you know, from his boxing promotion. It's not like he has endorsements. It's not like he's a, a great businessman. I mean, he makes his money by, or maybe all of his money by fighting. So if, he doesn't, if he's not fighting, then it's like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? And kudos to the Middle East. They are willing to just do this. I have no idea why. They Maybe they're bored. I have no idea. But either way, you know, he's found a, he found a sucker. They're going to put it on, and it's going to be some exhibition against a a guy that he's looking going, well, I can just embarrass, and people pay me a good ton of money for, and, well, hey, easy work. I, it's I'm just genu- I'm, I'm genuinely surprised, right, because after that last one with Logan Paul, I, I, I thought that might have been, like – yeah. It doesn't surprise me too much, but it, it, it it's still somewhat surprising. Like to your point, the Middle East has some deep pockets, so they're just gonna fund uh, Mayweather in this one. But it, it's it's surprising that people are still wanting to pay that kind of money to see 
what we've seen last time. I mean, it just wasn't that entertaining. He didn't put on any pressure. If anything, he just like squeaked out rounds against somebody that was like, he was supposed to literally like outclass and outshine completely. And he just kind of like was in there putting on an exhibition, literally looked like he was just sparring and dodging punches. It was uneventful at best. Well, you know, I mean, these exhibition fights, that's all you're going to get out of Floyd, dude. Floyd knows that even if it is an exhibition fight, he ain't going to put himself in any kind of danger that's going to risk his uh, legacy more than just being in a ring by itself already does. So, it, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, do you know much about whoever, do you know much about who he's fighting, Chris? I mean, he's fighting a guy who has been a long time sparring partner. You know, had a decent career. Was eighteen wins, one draw. He's he's the guy that's safe. Look, he it, Floyd's old. You know, Floyd is forty five years old. This kid is forty two years old. Both guys, okay. you know, it basically as I said, it's this is just it's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, by the way, we're, we're going to Middle East. There's nothing else to do there. There's a lot of rich people with money to throw around. They love Floyd, and, well, screw it. We're hustling these people. That's what it is. It's a con job. It is the biggest con job in terms of, like, the guy who would, you know, sold his swampland property in North Dakota. <laughs> I, the only way I heard about this, I didn't, I didn't really look into the whole Floyd end of the situation, but I've seen that Anderson Silva was – uh, supposed to be fighting on the same card as him. Uh, do you happen to know who his opponent may be? No, this is, as I said, this is all they're still working on here. They're trying, okay. First thing I got to figure out is it legit? Will they get the money? Obviously, you know, yeah. is going to be safe. But as I said, look, it's it's the Middle East. I've heard, uh, There's talks now that, you know, it's as of now, Anderson is still supposed to fight ex-Brazilian MMA fighter Bruno Machado. We'll see what happens. I do know, though, that there's talks of once, you know, everything settles down in Russia, that Usyk versus Joshua, that's supposed to land in Saudi Arabia because, hey, those Saudis want it, so they're going to just throw tons of money at The Saudis have more money than almost God. I mean, we know WWE is making that Saudi money, bro. Making a $50 million check off the Saudis. So, I mean, if boxing can go over there and make some money, I guess that's what it looks like. But, hey, since you mentioned his name when we were talking about Floyd Mayweather, what are your thoughts on Logan Paul's performance at WrestleMania? I mean, look, he's a good athlete. But he, it, it's uh, Here's what I'll say. It, it was pretty good. It, it, was not, it was not bad bunny where we were shocked and went, holy crap, this, is, this guy should belong full tour. But, you know, look, he... He proved he belonged. He was in there with the right people, and we'll see. I mean, they, they want to make him a baby face against the Miz, so we'll see which which member of the you know those two can actually make it work. I can't see either, you know, crowd going, "Yay, we love Logan or Miz." But hey, we're gonna well, see. Well, the Miz how already turned out. on him. The Miz already turned on him after the match. Yeah, but as I said, it's. Logan Paul is still not likable. Yes, he did a great job, but he's just not likable. <laughs> See, I feel like he's more likable than his brother. But um, as far as overall performance and things, I got to tell you, I was honestly impressed. 
when he hit the three amigos and the frog splash and watching the videos that they put up on WWE's YouTube, which, hey, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that motherfucking subscribe button because we're at about 300 at this point. We need about three more of you guys to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't done so, head over to YouTube and do that. Anyway, um, I I got to say, being in the arena, I was like, this some bitch pulled out the three amigos and hit the, and the frog splash on Rey Mysterio. Like, oh, my God. Well, yet, yet again, yeah, I asked you. I mean, look, I give him credit, but as I said, I was I'm not saying it like it was a, a strength feat, but I'm just saying I I didn't know exactly what to expect, and he did a lot smoother of a job than I expected. Well, I, I asked you the same question about the whole Pat McAfee thing, right? Like, how real was the Pat McAfee looked pop? great. Yeah, I, I feel as though Pat was the, the clear, better performer of the two. But that being said... That was how was the how was the crowd pop when he made his walk and everything like that? I know the the fans went crazy for Pat, but Logan Paul, yeah, was it the same type of Um, feel for Logan? Kinda, but not not nearly as well. Take that back, but I I take that back. No, it was not the same as Pat McAfee because Pat (laughs) McAfee had a such sicker entrance. He came out the Seven Nation Army, so you know I was already singing around, yeah. sing along anyway. And then he had the big pun at the end with the cheerleaders and all that shit. Yeah. Pat McAfee well, definitely. I mean, Pat's, Pat's match was a lot more of a showcase match with everything that happened with Vince and then Stone Cold at the end and everything like that. So, oh, yeah. I, I, and I mean. I compare it to that only in the sake of, like, those were, like, two of the predominant celebrity matches on the on the weekend. And... Jay Bone. Jay Bone says he wants well, McAfee versus Paul. Book it. I mean, be I wouldn't be mad at that, but I feel like who would be the one to like help? The, do you think that they could hold a match with Lead Paul? A match. I think Pat McAfee can. I think Pat McAfee can, but I don't know about Logan Paul. Yeah. You know what I want to see? I'll, I'll throw this out here. Bad Bunny versus Pat McAfee. I mean, if you're going to do celebrities... Hell yeah, book it in Puerto Rico. Because both of those two actually love what they do. It's You know, you saw it with Bad Bunny. And, you know, he look, he brings a different per, a different fan base than what the WWE has. We saw, you know, against the Miz, Morrison, and Priest, he did not look like he didn't belong. He looked like almost a seasoned pro. And you know what? He When you pull off a Spanish fly, when you're doing dives and you're the size of Bad Bunny, it's like... Okay, that's pretty impressive. Even I'll be impressed. Yeah. I, uh, like I say, Bad Bunny, I think, is like number one for that because nobody was expecting it. But, dude, every time Pat's been in the ring so far, whether it was the War Games match in NXT, whether it was uh, the match that he had with Adam Cole, whether it was the match that, and now this match that he had at, and, this is the thing that struck me, to be 100% honest with you. Think about who they had him in the ring with. If this doesn't show you like what they think of Pat McAfee's skills in the WWE, whether it be just what he brings to the table or whatever, because I am thoroughly entertained by the guy on... Uh, I'm thoroughly entertained by the guy on commentary. But, um, dude, when you think about the fact... So you had him face Austin Theory, which is the young up-and-comer kid, which it's a good look for him. But they had him, even though he lost, Vince McMahon got in the ring with this motherfucker. Like, 
that's saying something. Vince ain't been in the ring in how long? Granted, it didn't exactly look the best, but I'm just saying, if that doesn't tell you what they think of Pat McAfee, yeah. I don't know what does. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's wild. It's, it's, I don't think that helped him because I think they, they put Pat with. with oh, Vince I don't think he needed to lose to Vince at all either. Yeah, I don't think you could put a celebrity in there with Vince who is not part of WWE and expect a celebrity to lose because that would just it wouldn't look good. It'd be a celebrity going, "Okay, so great, great I'm losing to a, a grandpa. Uh, we're not coming back here." So I think it helped that it was Pat because Pat's part of the WWE group. You know, there wasn't much wrestling. It was basically Pat McAfee getting, you know, just beaten up. And then Stone Cold comes, delivers the worst stunner of all time. I mean, it was just painful. And from what I've heard, like, people were trying to talk Vince out of it. It's going, Vince, this is a bad idea. Get in. No, I'm doing it. Vince, you shouldn't do this. No, I'm doing it, Vince. We don't think you should wrestle. God damn it. I'm Vince McMahon. I'm going to do what the hell I want. I'm wrestling. Uh, All right, I think go. given well, I, mean, I think give, given the situation of the age and everything and all of that, I mean, was it was it the most entertaining thing that could have happened? Probably not. But I think it was more the spectacle of it, the fact that he stepped in there with them and stuff like that. I think it just added a layer to the the Pat McAfee appearance. If they would have just ended it after he got his hand raised and played the music as he walked back you know, up the stage or something, I don't think it would have had the same uh, lasting reaction that it's had through, uh, you know. It's left a lot of shockwaves. People are still talking about it. It seems like that match more than anything uh, from the weekend. I mean, Stone Cold was the star of WrestleMania regardless. Uh, and the fact that, mm-hmm. and even mentioned that when they had him in a ring with Stone Cold. And, and, he might have had one of the best stunner bumps I've seen in a long time. And the fact that he laid there drinking the beer as he's knocked out, <laughs> that made, like, one of the best memes, dude. Like, uh, yeah. I, dog. What up, no? Um, Yeah, man. I, I, I thoroughly was entertained by Pat McAfee this weekend. I think Pat McAfee did uh, a damn good job. Uh you got to get us on the podcast. I'm the more the merrier. Just send me the word, brother man, and we'll make it happen. Uh, I'm with it. Um, but yeah, dude, I was definitely a fan of. I was definitely a fan of Pat McAfee and what he did. Um, I'm not going to hold you up. Stone Cold hit me just like it did when I was a six year old kid, and the fact that we got a ten a ten minute match out of it, which didn't look like shit. I mean, granted, was it like a bell-to-bell classic? No, but I don't think anybody in that arena expected it to be. I think everybody in there was thoroughly entertained. And the best part of it was, right, like I we were talking about it on our show Tuesday, which if you missed it, make sure you go back and check that out. Uh, and make sure if you're watching this or listening to this on all the podcast platforms, leave us those reviews and all that good stuff because they all help. Um, but with that being said, on my, where I was sitting, so I was like, if you're looking at the WrestleMania sign, I'm all the way to the right, but I'm literally like a few rows before you go down to the field. 
But on my side of the stage, I could see Austin's four-wheeler. I could see Becky's Rolls-Royce. I could see all those things, like, when they would pull them up before they drove them around. So I'm like, oh, shit. Well, we know whose four-wheeler that is. And it was <laughs> – that's why when he walked back, I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go. <laughs> and uh, like I said, man, that – uh. For me, that had to be the overall winner. I think I think they definitely just wanted to get a bang for their buck. Uh, bang for their buck with having Stone Cold there. But with that being said, I know Stone Cold is a big fan of Pat McAfee as well. I mean, pretty much everybody that's worked with him in WWE says they enjoy what they're doing. I mean, let's, again, Vince was on his show. Vince doesn't do very many interviews or shows or anything. So, like I say... Overall, Pat McAfee, Stone Cold, all the uh, Edge and AJ match. I mean, there was a lot of good things to talk about from WrestleMania. But before we get to UFC 273, well, me, um, I want to jump in because I want to ask you th- go ahead. this of one match. Because I, to me, WrestleMania was about one match, the return of Cody Rhodes. Okay. Because because I, I look, I he's been taking grief from a lot of people. Oh, why did you come back? You sold out, blah, blah, blah. But when you see what, what you have a whole, you know, a walk down and everything, gave you chills. And then facts, you knew it meant a lot to him because that's where his dad, you know, ended up. That's where that promo you know, was great. Yeah. The promo, you know, just, just the emotion of him, you know, look, you know, going, I am back. I am home. This I want to bring back the title. Uh, to me, this is all about WrestleMania was because it was him and Ro- him and Seth Rollins once again. To me, Seth Rollins is the best performer, best worker in WWE. He can get work with anybody and turn it into a five star match. And that that was the one match I went, okay, I don't care. I'm not getting up. I am watching this from you know from bell to bell. What did you guys think of that? Uh dude. First of all, <laughs> so I got to give you the whole story of it because I motherfuckers at AT&T stadium. I was so me and everybody that mind you where I was sitting was essentially where the suites were. So we didn't even have to go out into the regular, uh, lines for the food and shit. So that's part of what made this so bad. I only had one person in front of me and they were taking so long that I heard fireworks go off and I heard the very start of his song. And I'm like, son of a bitch, this food can wait. And I hauled ass back to my seat and caught his entrance. And I'm like, damn it, dude. This would happen when I'm waiting in the damn concessions line because I'd already (laughs) missed the Usos versus Boogs. And I'm like, damn it, dude. Like, and then here's the even bigger kicker of it. I should have had like a, like a, a tip of my cat, or I should have known. Because when I was at the merch line, I bought the Scott Hall shirt and the Dusty Road shirt. They were advertising Dusty Road shirts at the merch stand. Why the fuck would you be advertising Dusty Road shirts if Cody wasn't coming back? So, like I said, I should have known. But as far as the match, as far as night one goes, I think the two best matches from Bell to Bell were... Um, Cody and Seth and Bianca and Becky. Um, like I said, Cody, Cody, Cody did great. I think he looked great. I think, like you said, having the entrance like he did, 
having his music like he did, keeping his name like he did, looking exactly like he did in AEW. I mean, I had no problem with it. I enjoyed it. The match was good. His promo that he cut Monday on Raw was good. He's going to be here in Detroit this Monday, so we'll hear what he's got to say again. So, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, I enjoyed it. Cody, ah, it's funny. Cody's commenting about Cody. Uh, Cody's entrance, him rising out of the ramp was definitely epic. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, it, the fact that they're keeping him like he is, I'm cool with it. What do you say? I, I was genuinely, that's what I was, guess, I guess, most curious going into whether or not he would actually make his appearance or not. Like, we had talked about it, what, two or three times now on the show leading into it. And with such a long absence from competition and stuff after late leaving AEW, it's been like, what, three months or something now. The anticipation had really kind of built to whether or not he was going to be making his debut or if he was still kind of in the sideline still working with AEW or maybe on the Ring of Honor project or something like that. We had rumbled that plenty of times on the show. And to see him actually make that walk out and then to see all the fan fare that he got, it seems like he had the second loudest pop going, of the night. Yeah, it seems like everybody in that arena was going wild from the all the clips and stuff that I've seen. So uh, successful uh successful switch to your point to be able to keep uh, everything going with your name and not really change your appearance up too much or have to now come out as some you know gimmicked character or something like that but that wasn't the case he came out still Cody Rhodes and it it worked well I mean it really did it seemed like he had all the fans behind him so that's all you can really ask for yeah man I I, I can't I can't really complain about anything. And, uh, you know, it's funny uh, being that we're going to get into the MMA portion of things here in a second. Um, you know, Ariel Hawani interviewed him right after WrestleMania was done. And, and that was one of the only things he said that he asked for in that contract is he said he never wanted to see Stardust again. And he said that was why he was laughing that he did the uh, Stardust uh, cartwheel and did the thing uh in the ring but it's funny because i don't know if you caught it but um his call on it because i watched it back because i wanted to see the full entrance so i watched it while i was eating whataburger after wrestlemania was over uh and uh <clears throat> the cory graves call on that shit was so perfect when he said it's not harkening back to a character it's a shedding of skin and uh, just the little things like that are the things that I think make those moments so much better because those are the calls and those are the things that people are going to remember. And uh, like I said, I got to meet Corey in the elevator and we were shooting the shit about his, his little big brother, uh, past guest of the show, Sam Adonis. So like I said, I am uh, optimistic for what we do with Cody. But boy, you know, we were throwing this around in the bar before we left on Monday night. Um, this is a really weird thing, right? So like Cody's talking about, he wants to go for the title. Okay. Well, we all know that Roman won over Brock, but it also looks like Roman's shoulder is fucked up. So from what I've been hearing, it sounds like what happened at the beginning with Cody was supposed to happen at the end and Roman was supposed to be first. And now 
Yeah, I mean, at least that's what they're throwing around. I have no knowledge to any of that. But, uh, you know, Roman came out and just said, I'll say what I got to say on Friday, pretty much. Um, so it's really interesting because I was talking about this with past guest show Mega Ran, which if you've missed it, go back and check out our show with him and Shane Taylor before I headed out to WrestleMania and shout out to Mega Ran and, uh, his new song, say goodbye to the bad guy. You need to check that out. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about it and it was like, if, if they kind of got to wait and see, or Roman shoulders, one of those things where you need like four or five weeks or whatever it is you know, to heal up. I think a perfect way to endear Cody to the WWE audience, because it's also clear that just because we're all wrestling fans, that that doesn't mean that everybody's watching everything. All WWE fans don't watch AEW and even WWE fans don't always watch NXT or NXT UK or whatever, you know, whatever the case so I think if you're if that ends up being the case and we'll find out tomorrow on SmackDown and all of you guys who are watching, feel free to chime in, in the comments, say what you think. But, uh, you know, until we find out for sure what's happening with his shoulder, if it ends up being something like that, where it's like a five to six week thing, then you can, you know, build Cody up by having him and Seth keep going or have keep putting him in there with the top caliber guys because Cody I think is at his place in a, his career now where he can continue to have good matches like that and in the meantime you'll be building him up to the WWE audience that maybe doesn't know him so that if that is the case then you can have Cody say well now that Seth's out of my way I told you I wanted the championship I got next plus you've also got money in the bank coming up which we all know Cody can be a cunning asshole. So if he wins money in the bank, that would be right up his alley too. Any thoughts, Chris? Look, I think it's it's a smart play for all parties because this is a long-term play with Cody Rhodes and WWE because they want AEW town. Not all the town, but I'm guessing they want MJF, Wardlow, mm-hmm. Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill is money. Jungle Boy for a long time. And look, with all this money, they're getting rid of all these people. They're looking around, probably going, look, if Cody Broads does well, if we put the belt on him, if we make him, if he, if, if he, you know, shows that you can be a star coming from AEW, we'll treat you right. That gives him a hell of a lot better, you know, chance of signing MJF, Wardlow, Jade, and that, you know, all these people that they have their eyes on because. So far, it's been a one-sided, you know, you leave WWE to go to Impact or especially AEW or even New Japan because you're not getting a fair chance. Once it shows you can get a fair chance from another promotion, you will see more people jumping over because they're going to look and go, well, it's worth it. It's, not, it's no longer go to WWE, just make money, become miserable, get cut. Well, it seems like they've done a decent job in the last couple months of kind of spinning the narrative of where AEW was like the signature spot to get signed. You know, like they were doing so much better with the stories. It seems like they had so much like crowd hype behind them and stuff. And not that they dwindled, but maybe WWE did a good job of getting that fan interest back or something because it seems to have altered back to where, you know, it the traditional way, I guess you could say, where WWE is still the top, you know, spot again, I guess. 
I think WWE will always be number one just because mm-hmm. it's 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 got that tenure and all those things. And I think right now they're getting a little bit of extra boost because it's WrestleMania season. But at the same time, there's a reason why they've been around that long. Now, do they need to tighten some things up? Hell yeah, they do. But it's also been shown too that you know AEW has had uh We'll be wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Look, AW is the cool kids right now. They're the ones that are giving everybody a chance. WWE is becoming almost like, well, Vince is going back to what he likes, which is big bodies, big muscles, you know, athletes. The independent wrestlers sort of for Vince's mind, like, eh, I really don't care about you. If Cody does well, though, that's that sort of that sort of destroys the narrative of well, if you're just a wrestler. You can't, you know, you can't, you know, succeed in the in the, in the good old, you know, WWE, you know, WWE. You can't, it'll show that, hey, as long as you're over, you have a chance. I I agree with you, dude. Like I said, it's um, it's very interesting because especially with it being Cody, who was such a pillar of AEW, if he comes back and does well in WWE, I mean, you're right, that crushes a lot of that narrative. But talking about narratives, talking about all those things, we're going to have to wait and see how those play out, just like I got to wait for this damn tax refund before I go to Vegas. So if y'all need some help with your taxes, make sure you hit up the homie Jack Gerard and the team over there at G3 Payroll and Tax. Like I said, if you have any business needs with your taxes, payroll, any of that kind of stuff, Like I said, G3 is the way to go. The links to their stuff are in the description. Like I said, shout out to G3. I appreciate you. Um, All right. UFC 273 is going down this weekend. And Corey likes to always throw out a few of these fights that are on uh, prelims. Well, that's pretty easy for us to do in this one because Josh Frim is making Mm -hmm. his debut in the UFC 273. Josh has been on our show multiple times, When it, whether it was the LFA title, whether it was Dana White looking for a fight, and now he's getting ready to make his UFC debut, and I'm sure we'll have him back on sometime soon for that as well. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know he said he feels good. Like I said, um, shout out to Josh Fremd. That's definitely uh, a fight that I'm looking forward to on these prelims. Um. All right, I'm trying to get the main card pulled up here in front of me. So, Chris, well, what before, fights are you most? Go ahead. I'm before say, we one, jump off the, the one under the one sort of let's say preliminary fight I'm looking forward to. You got to talk heavyweights. You, it's Biggie Boy Rosenstrike, my guy versus Marcin Tybora. There's going to be none of this wrestling crap, no jujitsu, just two big sweaty big guys throwing big shots, knocking people out. That's what you, the fans want. Fans don't, and I've come to realize UFC fans, they don't want jujitsu. They don't want grappling. They don't want, you know, like rounds of action between flyweights at times. No, they just want stand and bang, bro. Stand and bang. You know, Biggie Boy's going to do that. You know, Tybor is going to do that. It's just, it's what the fans want. Rock them, sock them, just heavyweights, throwing big shots. Somebody's getting knocked the hell out. 
See, I I disagree. I think Marcin Tybura is going to immediately shoot on the uh, less ex- less experienced wrestler in uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck and try to eliminate his uh, best option to victory, which Holy. is implementing his kickboxing. I think if Marcin Tybura can get him down and implement some of that ground and pound that we've seen him use in some of his past fights, I think that. In my eyes, that's by far his best way to victory. I mean, he's shown the ability to get people down and just once he gets on top of them and starts landing shots, man, it, it, it's usually over fairly quickly <laughs> from there. So. Heavyweights, yeah, heavyweights, heavyweights, heavyweights. heavyweights. Wrestling. This is Marcin Tybor wrestling, which means, okay, Biggie will stuff it. Then they're going to start throwing shots. Somebody's yeah. going to get knocked out. I mean, it's going to be, it's not going to be one of these like, 15 minutes of just two big guys laying on each other. We're going, please let it end. No, there will be a <laughs> knockout. I am picking Biggie Boy because, well, just that alone, Biggie Boy plus is on YouTube, plus he's a friend of the show. And damn it, you know what? When he wins, it's just a violent knockout. That's what fans in Florida want to see just violence. None of this wrestling crap, violence. I'm. Um- I'm genuinely surprised this one is kind of like mid-level on the card. Uh, Jarzinho working his way up so high into the division. I know, I, I believe he's on two fights skid if I'm not mistaken, but he truly does carry that ability to just put anyone out at any given point. And he's shown that like my, my biggest thing that I always remember about him is what he did in the Alistair Overeem fight. He, he, it was a tough fight for him. But when he was able to get that strikeout, whether it was the last 10 seconds or not, man, he he had Overeem just um, on the edge. I mean, he split his lip all the way up to his nose damn near, and it was just a bad time, <laughs> you know. And Jarzinho, I feel like he is – He's so close to reaching that elite level in uh, the UFC heavyweight division. I just feel like he needs a couple more things added to his game. And he's taken a little bit of time since his last fight. So I'm curious to see what he's uh, been able to improve on since then. Um, I feel like this is a very close fight. If I was to put my money on it, I feel like Tybura may be able to get the victory on this one. But I would not be surprised in the least bit if Jarzinho was able to get his hands on him. Well, Biggie Boy, if you hear this, man, you know, the doors are open, homeboy. We'd uh, <laughs> love to have you on the show at some point. But uh, that being said, I, uh, I'm i interested to see what we see from Biggie Boy in this one. Uh, it definitely it definitely is going to be interesting because if he wins, it kind of puts him back on track. And like you said, mm-hmm. he's on a couple fight skid. So if somebody needs to win, yeah, I definitely would say it would be Biggie Boy. Well, you know... Before you dig into the main card, I didn't get a chance to comment on the Josh Brown thing, man. I I love to see my guy uh, stepping in on short notice. To his point, he looks as ready as could be. Um, it's it's a tough match against uh, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. He's looked like he's uh, improved a ton in his last couple fights. Uh, I'm really curious to see how this one plays out. I really uh, – hope the best for our boy Josh Fremen. This is just going to be an entertaining-ass fight. No no better way than to step in on short notice and immediately get a spot on a pay-per-view card, though. I agree with you, dude. Like I said, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be great to see Josh Fremen get in there. Um, like I said, 
you already know which way we're going with that one. But I don't know, man. This uh, they got a lot. Of, I mean, dude, they got a hell of a lot of good fights on this card. So mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Vince from Hell Pinchel <laughs> versus Mark Madsen. At least if this goes in the fight order that they have on UFC.com, um, Vince yeah, Pinchel. Who you guys got fight. on this one? So I've I love it. Vince. I've, I've known Vince for yeah. a long time. He's a guy who he. If if he was healthy, he would have been a bigger star. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. he he's been hit with more injury bugs. You can shake a stick at, including a three year layoff due to being in a horrific uh, car you know car injury. But it's just the wrestling scares me because unfortunately, Mark Madsen is one of those few Olympic level guys who and he's sure. look he's an Olympic Olympic silver medalist. When he wants to take you down, he's going to take you down and. We've seen it with Clay Guida. We saw it with Austin Hubbard. When he needed to get a takedown, he got it, and he would just – that's it. It's like putting a clamp on you. You can't do much. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping for Vince, but I'm taking just Madsen just because he has that next-level wrestling, which is going to make things just damn impossible. I, as soon as I heard you start to make your pick, I was like, he is immediately breaking down the same thing that, like, I could hear it in the tone of your voice. I feel the same way. I hope the best from for uh, old Vin from Hell Pichel, uh, and uh, I hope the best for him, man. But that's the one thing that he's shown kind of as a weakness in his game is the uh, ability to stop takedowns, and he's usually able to get up very fast. One thing that I kind of am hoping for in his favor in this fight, because to your point, uh, Marco Madsen's shown that when he wants to implement that wrestling, he's really good at being able to get people down. I'm curious if, if he's going to be able to keep from hell to shell down in this fight. I still feel as though, if, you know, my money was on the line. I would have to go uh, Marco Madsen just because of the wrestling pedigree. But I, I feel like, Pichel could very well bring something to him in this fight, man. There's the reason why he earned that nickname, man. He's shown it in, a, in all of his fights. You know, to your point, he could have maybe been a little more active, but the injury, you know, it just piles up on a lot of these fighters. So, all right. Uh, for me on this one, man, I'm a fan of Vince Pichel. He was on. Uh, he was on the same season of The Ultimate Fighter as Miles. At least one of the seasons he was on, they were on the same team. Um, I've been watching dudes since back then. I am a big fan of his, but I agree with what you were saying, Chris, and that I think a lot of the, the layoff could affect him. Now I like Vince and I, I would say I want Vince to win, but I think, I think the wrestling from Madsen is going to be a problem, uh, for Pinchel, just based on the fact that whether you're training or not, man, cage time is cage time. And if you haven't gotten a fight that long, you know what I mean? It's that gets anybody period. Don't know how else to put it. So <laughs> that's my reasoning in taking Madsen on this one. Uh, the next fight though is very interesting to me because you've got Tisha Torres versus Mackenzie Dern. And you've got somebody in Torres who, when she wants to, can use her wrestling and is like a little bulldog, except if she does that in this game, then she's going against somebody like Mackenzie Dern who would love to play the jiu-jitsu game with this one. So 
I've been going back and forth on whether I think uh, Tisha would be able to use her wrestling and negate the jiu-jitsu skills of Mackenzie Dern or more what I think could be a more likely option of what I think could happen is I feel like these two both wanting to fight on the ground, Mackenzie's fights seem to turn into scraps a lot of the time. So I kind of think this fight's going to break down into scraps or Mackenzie's going to try to play that submission game. How? Are, what do you guys think about this fight? I think this fight, to your point, Kyle, it kind of does lean two ways, right? Like this Mackenzie, it, it really relies on what is Mackenzie Dern's strategy. Is she trying to implement, you know, jujitsu style sweeps and end up on top or, you know, even on bottom and pursuing submissions? Or is she just wanting to go out there and showcase some striking and possibly end up on the ground when the chances present themselves? Um, it, that's what the, the, this fight really relies on to me. I feel like uh, the tiny tornado Tisha Torres, man, I feel like she has the ability to get this fight done. I don't think she, if she wins, she gets a finish. I think she uh, wins by decision if she does get the win. But I, I don't know, man. Mackenzie Dern, she she presents my number one thing. You can contest to this, Kyle. My number one thing when breaking down fights is how how does a fighter have abilities to end the fight, right? How many different ways present challenges in fights? And Mackenzie Dern, especially doing as much uh, striking work and stuff as she has over there at uh, Ruka and stuff, she's she's starting to really improve that aspect of her game a ton. I'm curious to see how it plays out in this uh, Tisha Torres fight, but I feel like she, she offers the – the more options to get the victory. So if, if I'm picking somebody, I'm going to have to go Mackenzie Dern, but I feel like Tisha's definitely, you can't overlook her in this fight. I feel like this is a good matchmaking. Chris, where are you going on this one? I have no idea just because you, you look at sort of both of them. And it's like they're combined. They'd be a perfect fighter separate. There's just holes. And with Tisha Torres, it's more, I'd say physical, she's she's an atom weight. I've always viewed her as mm-hmm. she's just she doesn't have a size. I mean, she God bless her, she's as tough as they come. She has a gas tank like none other. She looks like a muscle hamster in terms of <laughs> there's no fat, but she just you know, everything about her is just you, you start looking around and all her losses have been to just bigger people where They've either be, they've been able to stifle her, whether it was Andre, uh, Marina Rodriguez, Zial Wing, Joanna Yechek. You know, they've all either they were able to out jab her, out you know, just pick her apart, you know, bully her around. Same with Rose Namajunas. When you know, and and so you see, you know, I go, okay, well then Mackenzie Dern should win this fight, but Mackenzie Dern has some of the worst striking I've ever seen from any any fighter. It's just, it's still raw. She looked awful at times, a lot of times against Maria Rodriguez. Amanda Rebas, the same thing. I mean, it's, you go, you look and you go, well, she, she has great jujitsu, but it's against Torres. I don't see her just taking Torres down and out wrestling her because Torres doesn't get taken down a lot. She has a good base. So as I said, this could be the one of the worst ever striking, striking matches we see. 
I have no idea. I'm going with Torres, but I, you know, as I said, I could easily see dirt. It's just, it's gonna, I just saw it's gonna be ugly. That's all I can say. It's gonna be one of the ugliest fights to watch. Me and you seem to be having some very varying opinions so far on the uh, card because I'm actually very much looking forward to this one to see who can progress towards the uh, it, towards their goals to eventually get a title fight. I feel like uh, I feel like Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, it, when she, her first couple fights in the UFC, man, her striking looked fucking absolutely terrible. To your point, the the Marina Rodriguez, Marina Rodriguez. I feel like she's just shown that she's on the next level of striking against 95% of the girls in the division. I feel like the only one maybe that would outstrike her at the moment is maybe like a Rose or a Joanna. I feel like those are the two fights that would she would present her in a real striking threat. But I feel like that was just an outclassing because she was a far superior striker, not necessarily because Dern was, you know, D-level striking or something like that. I feel like she's starting to improve. If you look at where she started, she's made leaps and bounds from there. But I, I don't know. I find this fight – I feel like this one's going to be more entertaining maybe than uh, I'm hearing the credit coming across. All right. So I, I think this fight could be more entertaining, but I feel like it's because both of them are going to try to grapple to some degree, and I feel like they're going to cancel each other out. Now we're going to really see if Mackenzie's striking has really gotten that much better because if it did, she's probably going to need it in this fight. Now, if you're asking me who I think is going to win, I will go with Mackenzie Dern. But if she doesn't come in ready to fight, Tisha Torres could make this a really bad night for her because of the way she fights and the pressure that she puts on people. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, in my opinion, this fight all boils down to how Mackenzie Dern fights and how Mackenzie Dern is able to implement uh, what it is that she wants to do. Um, All right, next fight on a card is one that's going to be really interesting because I think if... Like you said in the Triple G fight earlier in the show, um, if Gilbert Burns loses this fight, I don't know that he gets back towards the title shot. Um, And even at that, it takes balls for him to even step up and take this fight because nobody really wants to fight Cosmot other than Neil Magny, who's been saying it forever, but I don't think they want to run that fight. Um, This, I don't know, man, this... This fight's interesting because it's not like Burns can't grapple, but the type of pressure that Cosmot puts on people is just nasty. Um, To be honest, even though I have all the respect in the world for Gilbert Burns, and I think that he is somebody that's very deserving of being in these title shots and all that stuff, I don't know, man. I don't really see anybody derailing Cosmot unless it's Kamaru Usman it's so it's so weird right like this guy came out of nowhere he's got what three or four fights now hasn't been touched he what has one strike landed against him or some shit it's like it's insane numbers it's really like absolutely insane numbers and then you see the the showcase that he's able to do in some of these fights man and the size that he brings to 172 man like when you've seen uh 
I don't know if you guys seen it or not, but there was some behind the scenes footage of them kind of running into each other, both, you know, fresh out the sauna and God damn, he looked like a full weight class, if not more above. Oh shit. I mean, I just don't, other than maybe, I mean, we haven't seen Kazmat's uh, chin tested. If maybe Gilbert lands one of them solid punches like he did early on uh, Usman, maybe. But I I don't know, man. I just don't see, to your point, I don't see Gilbert's grappling as of late. He hasn't been, like, overly pursuive of the submissions and stuff. He's been just more kind of controlling guys, both in the Damian Maya fight and the uh, Wonder Boy Thompson fight. So, I don't know where the victory comes from. I'm a huge fan of Gilbert, and it hurts to say, but, man, that's this is, like, rough. It's going to be a rough one, man. I, I don't know how he can get the victory. So just because of that, I, I have to lean. I have to. I, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm I, I think this is – I think Kamza is going to get beat up pretty good in this fight. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let's look. I mean, well, first, let's look at who is we, we go. I know we're, we're we're talking about how great he is, but you look at the record. All of a sudden, it's like, hmm. hmm. He hasn't. I, mean, I think this is his first guys, test right? fight. Yeah. Who are Lian? This is a huge test. This is. I mean, look who he's fought. Lian Jingling, who okay, decent welterweight, nothing to write home about. Usually loses against elite level guys, and you could argue that you know. Even Jiang is a guy who mostly is – he's there because he's Chinese. And the UFC wants to have a big Chinese presence. So they fed him a lot of soft fights. Then he took on Kamzat, and he got exposed. Uh, Gerald Mercer, the guy I, I, we, I've had, Gerald, I love him to death. He's a slow starter. You can, and he, mm-hmm. He's lost some fights very ugly early in, in his career, and even later in his career, where first round, it's just bad. Reese McKee, no longer with the UFC. John Phillips, not really that good. Meanwhile, you look at Gilbert Burns, and it's like, okay, he controlled and dominated Wonderboy Thompson, who is the same size as Kamzat and a much better striker. He basically beat up and mauled Tyrone Woodley. Domination I'd never we had not seen in a long time. Damian Mai, he knocks out. Gunnar Nelson, pretty damn good win. Alexei Konchenko, Mike Davis, all you know, Alvin Mer- Mercier. He's he is a sneaky damn good fighter, and that we, we hold against him his a lot of his losses because he was struggling to make one fifty five. And when I remember talking with mm-hmm. him, and he had said it was a tough making, you know, that one fifty five against guys like Hooker. Prezeris, even Alex Oliveira had been having the energy. Now he is, he's flying all over the place. He is a, uh, he's an elite level jujitsu, pra- you know, practitioner. Agreed. And I don't see any way that Kamzat's going to beat him. It's like, okay, well, you're not going to out-wrestle him because Woodley couldn't do that. Maya couldn't do that. Nelson couldn't do that. You're not going to really outstrike him unless you're Kamaru Usman, who has that, you know, elite level wrestling and is a monster. I, you know, as I said, I don't see what Kamzat's going to do. I think he's very good, but to me, this is a UFC rushing kid in there, and, this, and Burns is the guy who's going to go, nope, I'm sorry, this is 
this is the big leagues here. This is no longer a kiddie pool. And I think we're going to see Kamzat sort of get brought down more to earth because at the end of the day, he hasn't fought anybody even in the top 15, let alone the top five. See, it, like so bad, the Gilbert Arena or Gilbert Arena. The Gilbert Burns side of me. Gilbert really Arenas was the guy to, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking Wizards. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he watched Harry the Potter. Fan, the fan side of me really wants to agree with what you said. I, I just, man, I, I feel like what he, he was able to. The, I don't know, man. It's this is such a tough fight for him. I feel like it really is. I want to agree with everything you said, like the the fan side of me, but I feel like the 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 analyst side of me just uh, it disagrees. Oh, remember also Tough fight, the one, his one loss against Usman. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a lot of his best coaches there because he had to go to a different camp for that fight. He for years he trained with the Black Zillions. He trained with Samford MMA. He still does, but. You know, there were a lot of coaches who didn't get involved because, hey, it was teammate versus teammate. And, you know, for a guy like Usman, I think that for him, yeah, he he had gotten used to that. He had gotten used to, you know, going to different camps. And he's now in a different camp as well. For Burns, to me, I think he for him, that was an eye-opener of, oh, crap. Um, okay, what the hell is going on here? Well, you know, what's it like fighting a teammate? And that weighs on you. There's not going to be that with with, uh, Kamazat and Burns. I think this is going to be just Burns in his element. He's now faced everything and everybody, and there's nothing that Kamazat brings that Burns is going to go, well, I haven't seen that. I agree with you, dude. This is going to be the big test for him. I mean, there's no other way to put it. This is going to be his first test against a real fighter, against a real guy that's up there in title contention. So this fight's really going to tell us where Cosmot's at, but dude, if he runs through Burns, fuck, that division's in trouble. Yeah, I. This is the most truest, like put up or shut up type moment that we've seen in a while that the UFC's done For with somebody with the push that they're giving him, and just the, you know, like they're already basically talking about when he wins this fight, he's getting a number one contender fight with Colby and shit like that. It's like. They're they're already planning so many seeds ahead with him. It seems like that. Seems like the UFC even thinks that maybe uh, the, they think he's going to be able to get the victory. So it's just, it's truly wild to me to see this climb that he's been able to make just over you know the past year essentially. And a lot of that time he was out due to the whole uh, COVID and stuff and the uh, reaction his body had to it. He would dealt with it for like six, eight months before he could get back to training and shit. So I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I want to agree with you with the, the Burns, man. I'm a huge fan, but it's just a tough one. This is a true people's main event type of fight as well. I, I feel like this one's definitely get, garnering all the attention from the uh, fans, both hardcores and casuals. I'm like I say I'm interested, but you know the next fight, I won some money the last time these guys fought. <laughs> I won some money while I was sitting in the tattoo chair with the beautiful Miss Lindsay Snow. Who shout out to her? She was on J Bone's top ten, number seven, 
uh, or no, that was Janai Kai was on there, but we were there talking with Janai Kai when they were both on Mission Pro Bangers Only. Excuse me, I misspoke. I went to like 15 shows in a fucking week. Cut me a break. Um, <laughs> uh, like I said, though, uh, the last time these guys fought, I won on a parlay. So I was, I was Team Aljo the first time, and man, that fight went a little different. So uh, <laughs> this fight happening again, we're really going to see what's up from Aljo because, man, after all that happened and the way it went down, I feel like there's so much more pressure on him than there is P- Peter Jan because I feel like if Aljo loses and loses in dominant fashion and there's no more stuff like what happened in the last one, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be a tough loss if he loses this one. Um, as far as who I'm picking, oh, I want to say Aljo so bad, but I don't know, dude. I think Petrion might overwhelm his ass. Yeah, I, to put on my fan and analyst hat in two separate hands, my fan side's definitely rooting Aljo. I 100% want it the victory to go that way. I've been I've been pushing Aljo. I mean, yet again, Kyle, you can attest to this. I've been talking high on Aljo for years now. Even well before the Corey Sandhagen fight. Before before his real ascension into the top five and stuff. And to see him get to that point and then win the fight the way that he did and stuff. Uh I went back and watched that fight a couple times. I've even made the point on the show a couple times that the, those first rounds were super competitive, man. And I feel like Aljo just supremely gassed himself out and just wasn't able to compete after that. So looking at him going into this week, he looks even more jack than usual, which kind of worries me because the whole thing is he got gassed last time and those muscles don't run on uh, – on air, you know, it takes, it takes energy to, to run those kind of muscles that he's trying to bring into this fight. So it worries me. I really hope, uh, like I had said, when this fight was first brought up with the neck injury and everything that, uh, played out that way and stuff, I truly just hope we don't see a gassed out lesser than version of Aljo going into this fight. I, I win or lose, I just want to see Aljo put on his best performance, whether he's able to get it done or not. Um, but Petrion's showcase that he's he's really high class in this division. Uh, he's probably the rightful champion, obviously. You know, uh, barring the Aljo thing, I'm. I I I hate to just bury my guy like this, but. Petrion's just been so much more active because of the whole injury layoff and stuff like that. He earned back the interim title, you know, interim title fight against the game as Corey Sandhagen. And it just, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, yet again, to your point, I want to pick Aljo, but I feel like Petrion's showcased in that first fight, his ability to just kind of not, put himself in bad situations until he's able to just then pour on his game. So it's going to be a tough fight, man. I, I just hope we see the best of Aljo going into this one. What do you got, Chris? The one X factor which we have talked about is what's going to happen with Peter when Peter Young just gets booed out of the building? Because let's face it, this is in Florida. It's a very pro-American, you know, state. 
Uh, Peter Yan is Russian. You have, you know, and as much as we all talk sports and say sports, politics doesn't mix, the Ukraine, you know, Russia conflict is going on. And we've seen that, you know, when, you know, whether it's Chinese fighters or Russian fighters, if there's something going on here, they're always the bad guys. Doesn't mean they are. It just means it is how it is. So how is Yan going to, you know, handle the fact when he does something and people are going to boo the crap out of him? Because in their mind, hey, he's the evil Russian. Hey, Aldermaine Sterling, he's American here. And in Florida, that you're going to hear this. This isn't Vegas where it's a very almost sort of, you know, weird crowd of everybody coming over. It's going to be a very pro-American crowd. And you got to wonder, if, is, is Young going to get flustered when people are just booing the crap out of him because, hey, you're a Putin guy. <laughs> I I hope that's a factor in it. I really do. But I, I was watching the press conference that they did earlier. And I know the press conference is a very select group of fans. So, you know, take from that what you will. But it, it, it was actually the reverse during the press conference. Jan was the one getting cheers while Aljo was getting booed. And it, it surprised the shit out of me being, to your point, a Florida crowd and stuff. I thought maybe that wouldn't be the case. But uh, maybe the Russians traveled for this one being that both uh, Jan and uh, Kazmat are fighting on the same night or something, but he definitely seemed to have some support during the press conference, that's for sure. Do you guys think that uh, his corner not being able to get into the country is going to affect him at all? Yeah, just because it's, it's a corner. So these are guys you travel with. These are guys who know you. And and Jan's corner, you know, they're, they're talented. They know how to, you know, make adjustments. They know how to do things, you know, in between rounds. I mean, that, ask any fighter. If you don't have your coaches there, that takes away from a lot of what you're doing. And your comfort level. Mm-hmm. Because, you you know, I mean, sometimes, man, you just got that, that connection with a coach where it's like they know how to talk to you. And if you don't have that, I don't know, man. Like I said, it would be interesting. Much less they're saying that Henry Cejudo might be in his corner. Um. It's uh, it's just interesting. What did you say, Cody? Um, the corner not being able to come is a huge deal. I I I agree yeah. with that, dude. I think it's I think it's going to be a big factor. We're going to have to see how much it affects Petro Jan in this one. So, are you going with Jan as well, Chris? I'm going to Aljamain Sterling. I think he'll find a way to pull it wow, out. Wow. Okay. I just, as I said, was just, love to hear it. For, for Jan, there's just too much going on where it sounds, it just feels like a huge distraction. Like everything that could go wrong right now is going wrong. I'm not I mad at it, dude. It. Man, not mad at it. it. Like I said, I would like for Aljo to win. I just, I don't know, man, based just on how the last fight went. Like, granted, that knee was completely dirty, and I have no problem with him winning like that. But, like you said, Corey, Aljo was gassing the fuck out. Like, there's no yeah, other way I, else to put it. I he was getting mauled the, because he was tired. I think out of all the quote-unquote big underdogs that you see coming into the weekend and stuff, I definitely think Aljo presents the biggest uh, path to victory. I think he's definitely the one. If I was to be placing money on any of the big lining underdogs like that, I definitely think Aljo would be the one just because – a lot of people are forgetting what he was uh, able to do on that uh, rise up to the title fight and stuff. So I, I, I love to hear it. I love to hear the support for Aljo. I, it's yet again going to be a tough fight, though. 
All right. Well, here we are. We're at the main event of this card. You've got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Chan Sung Jung. Now, I'm be honest. Uh, no disrespect to the Korean zombie, but I think that this is a fight that is very winnable for Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, I think the bigger question in this fight is that I think it's a very risky fight for Volkanovsky mm-hmm. too, because if Volkanovsky somehow loses to the Korean zombie, you can all but kiss that Holloway fight goodbye because a lot of people thought that Volkanovsky won or uh, Holloway won the first fight. First two and, fights, really? Yeah, yeah the first, I mean, you can, <laughs> and you can argue the second one too. So, like I say, they already thought he won. And if you lose to Zombie, who really wasn't supposed to be in the fight, I think that Max Holloway will be looking at a fight with Korean Zombie real quick. So, uh, I don't know, man. I think that there's a lot on the line for the champ in this one. Uh, but I still think that Volkanovsky has all the skills to get it done against the Korean Zombie. Yeah, and I think Volkanovsky's going into this with a kind of weird outlook, right? Like, he knows the fact that Holloway was supposed to be the one that he's fighting. It was supposed to be the rightful contender. So it kind of leads into that, oh, is he overlooking zombies? Oh, you know, what's his thoughts going into it and stuff? And not to, like, take too much from just, you know, somebody doing a simple interview, having a mic in front of their face, but he was saying this fight for him really is about just, like, trying to stake his claim as the best featherweight ever and stuff like that. And less so like talking about zombie as like a legend of the division and not like so much as active contender and stuff like that. And I don't know, man, I do feel as though zombie presents some serious threats. I mean, we've seen him get knockouts. He always presents a threat because he's a fucking zombie. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's damn near impossible to get out of the fights. The only time, you know, offhand that I can think of is the freaking up elbow from Yair that in recent memory that he's been put out. So it's just, man, to your point, Volk, if he's, if he is as high level as he is, you know, claims to be and stuff and wants to have claim to greatest featherweight and stuff, he should be able to win this fight handily. I don't know if that's going to be the case, though. I feel like Zombie's going to bring something to him that he's not necessarily expecting coming into this fight. So I'm curious to see, too. There was a ton of rumors and stuff going around when this fight was first announced that Zombie was going to be taking a lot of time off beforehand, was looking at shoulder surgery and stuff like that, and wasn't you know fully happy with his health of his career, I guess you could say. So I'm curious to see if that lays any factor in it, if Zombie was able to train as hard as he would like going into a title fight and stuff like that. But I feel like Volk should be able to get it done. But Zombie, man, he's he's a constant threat at every point in the fight, man, and from every aspect of the fight as well. So I go Volk by decision, but it wouldn't surprise me the other way, man. What do you think, Volk by decision. I think it's... It, this is a perfect fight for me. You know, it's a guy who's not going to do anything, you know, weird. We, and we, we talk about, you know, Korean Zombie as, you know, great striker. He's a good striker. He's just, he is what he is. He's not, you know, he's not going to throw a lot of body shots. So it's not going to be like Holloway where there were times where you almost saw Volkanovski doubling over. 
you know, they both they, they both of them have fights against Ortega. Zombie lost pretty convincingly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Volkanovski lost, you know, won pretty impressively. The only way, the only guy who seems to ever have any answer right now for Volkanovski is Holloway, just because of that dynamic, constant, you know, punches and bunches, the body shots, mixing things up. I'm going right now. I think it's going to be a, a very, you know, not dominant, but very sort of comfortable decision victory for Volkanovski. And hopefully that leads to finally a trilogy of Volkanovski, Holloway. Will we finally get somebody who wins convincingly? I'm with you. I think that's what it points to. And if Volkanovski wins, I think it's inevitable that the next fight for him has to be uh, Max Holloway. I think Zombie definitely presents his issues, uh, but it's definitely going to be one to look out for. Um, All you guys who are watching, let me know in the comments who you've got on the last pick. But, you know, something that you brought up in the private chat, Chris, that I would be remiss if I don't bring up before I end this. You know, you're talking about the Briscoes, okay? I got to see the Briscoes at the Impact Multiverse matches. But J-Bone, being the great host that he is, sent me something that presents one hell of a fucking matchup. I just was informed that it's going to be at the April 9th show. So this weekend, it's going to be the Briscoes versus Bussy being Alley Catch and Effie at GCW. So, um, I don't know. That's going to be one hell of a matchup. Uh, we've already seen that they are not scared, but I tell you, the dem boys are uh, dem boys are a problem. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Dem boys are a problem for whoever they get in the ring with because they had a banger with FTR. They had a banger with the Good Brothers at the Impact show that I was at. I don't know, man. It kind of sucks in a way not seeing the Briscoes with Ring of Honor, but I think Impact is a good place for them to land if it's not going to be Ring of Honor. Yeah. It, unfortunately, and I, you hate to see it because I've argued this on Twitter with people. An eight-year-old tweet from, I think, Jay Briscoe about being anti-gay has, is, key, is basically, it's been confirmed, Warner Media has told AEW, you cannot use the Briscoes. You can use Mike Tyson, who's who bragged about you know the backhand to Robin Givens and is a convicted rapist, and oh yes, as you know, talked about fornicating with female reporters. But hey, you know, gay slur eight years ago. No, no, that's just. But yeah, you look. I think it's, it's this is perfect vote for the Briscoes in terms of they can be an impact, and you've got all these now new tag teams they can just play with, whether it's the Good Brothers, whether it's. The King and the match they had was great. Hell, there's even a chance of, dare I say it, Briscoes versus God at Impact. I'm with it. Run that shit. I am with it. Run that shit tomorrow. You put the Briscoes in a ring with the Gorillas of Destiny, dude, you are looking at a certified fucking banger. And we already know what they can do with Taven and uh, Mike Bennett, who also happens to be a past guest of the show. Um, like I said, dude, oh, I, I the motor machine guns. The motor machine machine guns and and the Briscoe brothers. Just take my money. Just take it. Yo, you're you're not lying, dude. Shout out to Chris Saban, dude. He had a great showing at that Impact show as well. 
I said it on the show on Tuesday. Mike Speedball Bailey was like my independent, uh, my independent standout for the weekend. Um, like I said, big fan of what Impact's got going on. Impact has been like a sleeper for a while. I think if they could just get it on a little bit bigger of a network, but if you're talking about overall product, they've been one of the most entertaining for a long time, and they have a lot of good tag teams there, as you mentioned. So I don't know, man. Not mad at it for the Briscoes. The fact they still get to work GCW and things like that as well um, is dope. Hopefully, maybe we'll get to see them here April 23rd when they come back to Harpo's. And speaking of Harpo's, you know, our buddy Darren McCarty says that he's getting ready to be in the building for this, you know, RPW No Peace Underground show. Well, I don't know, man. You might have to just stay tuned and make sure you hit that uh, like button, subscribe button, all those buttons. Because, uh, yeah, got something in mind for y'all coming May 7th. I want to pose one last question before we wrap is Ian Gary and his sophomore fight. Is he really the future uh, at 170? Like he's trying to pose himself as before we uh, wrap. If they want I got to see. Well. Yeah. But USC wants them. I mean, they're, they're being are desperate to get the next Conor McGregor who's not on crack, but we'll see. <laughs> Here's my final question to you guys. How nice was it seeing Taya Valkyrie back in Impact, actually back in wrestling and not, you know, just locked away somewhere? Because for years, she's been like the premier female wrestler, whether it was Lucha Underground, AAA, cage matches with Brian Cage, getting beaten with a kendo stick, beating people with a kendo stick. And then they locked her away at NXT. It's like, oh, my God, they're killing her, but she's free. Let my Taya be free. Let her just be, you know, where loca. Let her just cause chaos. Let her and Deanna Perrazzo for a title. Give I will give you my money. Let those two just You're not wrong. Wrestlers. You're not wrong at all. Okay. So look, man. I was there when Taya made her return at the multiverse and all that. I've been a Taya Valkyrie fan for a long time. Taya Valkyrie has been one of the best not just female wrestlers, wrestlers, period, for a long time. Uh, with all of what she's done in Mexico and Impact, um, look, dude, her coming back to Impact is probably the best move she could have made if she's not going to go over to AEW. Uh, the way they built, they booked her in NXT, I thought, you know, the way that she came in, I was like, hell yeah, you know, she's going to go for a title. You know, here's what it is. She had her title shot, and then like two months later, they released her. So. Uh, I I got nothing. I don't understand why WWE couldn't see that in her, but hey, WWE's loss is going to be Impact's gain because I think now she has even more of a upside coming back to Impact because now she has that WWE rub even if it was short. So, like I said, I think Taya Valkyrie, uh, Loera Loca is going to do some dope-ass things. And impact to answer your question about Ian Gary, I need to see more of him before I put any mm-hmm. type of tag like, oh, he's the next coming. I gotta see yep. dude do a little bit more for me before I give anybody that kind of tag. I mean, the kids, yeah. the kids got some promise to him, but I gotta see, I gotta see, you know, what he's got coming next. You guys gotta see what we got coming next. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, the like button. If you're watching this, hit that motherfucking share button. 
And uh, before we get out of here, Chris, let them know where they can find you guys at too. So I will, my, my show will be airing tomorrow on Anchor FM. It's going to be me, Manny Montreal. We're going to break down every fight this weekend from Golovkin versus Murata in Japan, Lubin versus Sebastian uh, Fundor, a six foot, 454 pound freak. We're going to be breaking down that. Ryan Garcia and his the zone fight. And even we're going to talk some women's boxing. All uh, all boxing on the show. Anchor FM will be dropping tomorrow at noon time. Don't miss it. We'll be sending out the links so you guys can hear it. And next week, we even got some new guests. We got Fernelli Feliz Jr., the former standout. He's going to be on our YouTube channel. We're, we're working on some more people. And Casca Akashova is going to be returning. Yes. If you don't want to see my face, you want to see attractive blonde instead? Koska Akashova is returning to last call to interview people. Nice. I don't know. Sounds like a Russian smoke show or something like that to me. So, like I say, uh, it sounds like a good time over at last call. Like I said, I think it's hitting about that time for last call for us as well. Um, but with that being said, <coughs> we appreciate all y'all watching. Uh, J-Bone, hopefully all went well with the surgery and all that good stuff. Hey, man, if you're at the uh, Mysterious Movado Appreciation Night, you know, you might uh, see a familiar face. Shout out to uh, our boy Anthony Scoops Fleming stepping back into the cage tomorrow night at Motor City Casino. Uh, we've also got Austin Bashy in the main event of Shamrock FC going for their belt and looking to stay undefeated. Like I said, if y'all don't know, you're going to know because I don't think anybody is ready for what Austin Bashy is bringing to the cage. And if you didn't get to check out our last chat with him, go make sure you do that on YouTube. So until next time and in the in-between time, peace.